The title of my sermon is The Sacrifice Given. The Sacrifice Given. And we're going to read out of Luke chapter 19, 1 through 9. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you ever heard of Zacchaeus? I mean, what a name. You know, it's Z-A-C-C-H-A-E-U-S. Not how I would have spelt it, but it's Zacchaeus. And he, was, he worked for the IRS. How many of you like IRS agents? <laughs> I, when I was in Bible school at Bethel, one of our instructors was an IRS agent. And he was the nicest man, you know, and, uh, but he, he retired, praise God. No, he, so he's not, he's not carrying that gun and stuff, you know, now. But, you know, here in Zacchaeus, he's an IRS agent for, for Israel or for Rome. And, you know, he wants, to, he wants to see Jesus. How many of you want to see Jesus? I mean, see him. I mean, you know, like I see you right now, see him. And so Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is seeing the crowd. He's seeing Jesus come up through Jericho. And, and Zacchaeus is like... I just want to see him. So he climbs up in a tree because Zacchaeus, you know, we, we sang this song when we were kids, a wee little man. You know, so Zacchaeus was just a wee little man. I, I forget the rest of the song. You know, maybe you know it, but, you know, a wee little man was he. Oh, he was Mary tall. Let's just say he was Mary tall. How tall are you, Mary? Four, three, and four, five. She's getting taller. <laughs> She is. I know she is. The Lord's making her taller. We prayed for her, and she's straightening up, and she's getting taller. Amen? Amen. But he was a little guy, and he couldn't see, so he climbed up in the tree. I'm, I'm paraphrasing the, serm, the, the things, the scriptures right now. But he went up there, and he, he's looking, and he's looking, and he's like, oh, here he comes. Here he comes. And then when Jesus got close, now... It doesn't say that he knew Zacchaeus, but when Jesus gets to the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I'm going to your home today. He invited himself over. Delonda hates when I invite myself over to people's houses, you know. <laughs> Don't you, honey? <laughs> but I've done that. I'm, I'm coming over. They're like, okay. So, but Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus is like, oh, this is going to be great. Let's pick up there. I'll read it from there. How far am I into it, Mindy? Well, let's pick up at slide number six. No, slide number, yeah, slide number six. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Hallelujah. But when they saw it, Who's, who's they? The religious people. The religious people around him. When they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with an IRS agent that we don't like. I'm paraphrasing. With a man who is a sinner. Verse 8, Zacchaeus, oh, I didn't finish. Zacchaeus, stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And I've, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold, four times what he took. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. And because he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man, who's the son of man? Jesus. 
Jesus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Father, we thank you for that today. Jesus, that you came for each one of us. That you came with a plan and a future to give us such hope. That Lord, that even as you prophesied to us today, God, that we will not let up, but we will continually press into you. We will continue the course, Lord, that you have laid before us. The plan of salvation would become so alive to each one of us, God, that we not shrink back, God. And Lord, that we not withhold from you anything the way that you've not withheld from us. But Lord, you've given us great opportunity to know you. And I pray, God, that we would continually respond to you daily with the love that you've given us. Lord, we would love you. We thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Jesus is seeking each one of us with an intent to save us. Now, what is Jesus trying to save us from? Hell. He's trying to save us from hell. Now, there, there was this bishop, a 19th century English scholar, Bishop B.F. Westcott, and he was the Regis Professor at, of Divinity at Cambridge University. One occasion, he was approached by a zealous undergraduate who asked him, Bishop, are you saved? Ah, said the bishop, very good question. But tell me, do you mean, and then he mentioned three passive participles of the Greek verb to save, indicating that the answer would depend on which of the three the student had in mind. I know, the bishop said, I have been saved. He said, I believe I'm being saved. And I hope by the grace of God that I shall be saved. Salvation is a huge and comprehensive word. It means freedom. As the bishop pointed out, there are three tenses of salvation. You have been set free from the penalty of sin. You are being set free from the power of sin, and you will be set free from the presence of sin. Amen? That, that's, the, that's P to the third power. Penalty, power, and presence. The penalty of sin, the power of sin, the presence of sin. We are being set free from. Can I hear an amen? amen? This sacrifice was made for us, provides this salvation of all the three Ps. Everybody say three Ps. Three. God has not held anything back from us. Amen. He has made a way. And like Adam and Eve in the garden, there are things that God has told us to refrain from. I mean, didn't he just tell, he gave them one thing. Don't do that. Don't eat of that tree. We think that would be simple because you got all the other trees. 
But the temptation was more than they could bear, I guess. But back to Zacchaeus, working for the IRS, you know, in Israel, in Israel, when Jesus walked on the earth, tax collectors were hated because they were Jews that worked for the Romans. And they cheated Jews. They took more than they should have. And even Zacchaeus admits that in the sense that he says, Lord, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay him back fourfold what I've taken from him. So he, he's repenting. And in his repentance, there's payback. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to make it right. Well, let me just ask you this. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. What if Jesus came in and he said, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming over, Monica. I'm coming over, Elena. I get all the E names mixed up. Elena, Elvira, El, you know, Elvia, you know. Just, too many E names coming at me. <laughs> Sorry for my hesitation on your name. I'm coming to your house today, Susan. I'm coming, Mark. How would you feel? Would you be so like so excited that Jesus is coming to your house? And when you when you think about it, you know, he knows everything about you. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you did yesterday. He didn't even ask Zacchaeus. He said, get out of that tree, buddy. I'm coming to your house today. Okay. And Zacchaeus is like, oh, this is great. Come on, let's go. You know, and he was excited. So, you know, when, when we think about Jesus coming to your home, I know some people would be uncomfortable. I know some people would be very excited to have him in their home. But I know all of you would be very excited. Jesus is coming to my house. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go, you know. You know, some of you might have to run in, and I know Delon would be like, give me a 10-minute head start. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? For Delonda, it'd be okay because Delonda doesn't leave the house without every dish being washed and put away, without all the laundry being picked up. The house has to be perfect when she leaves the house, just in case Jesus comes over. <laughs> She's going to kill me later. It's all right. But no matter what your past has been, Jesus wants to be able, wants you to be comfortable with him coming to you. Or he wants you to feel comfortable going to him. And he told me this week, there's a lot of people that are not comfortable approaching him because of things in their life. They're not comfortable going to him. It's just like, how many of you got kids? And your kids don't tell you things because they're not comfortable telling you things because they're afraid of how you're going to respond. They're afraid you're going to be mad. So they, they won't tell you, but they'll tell somebody else. That's kids. And God says, that's the way people do me. They're not comfortable coming to me, so they'll, they'll tell somebody else. They'll go somewhere else instead of coming to me with their issue. They, they don't want me to come, even though I already know. And, and when you read this passage, you can see clearly that the love of Jesus 
the love of Jesus caused Zacchaeus to repent. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to love people, amen, the way that we declare we love him. And he wants us to love him to the point that we trust him, that we can go to him and we can share our heart, we can share our feelings, we can share everything with him because, listen, he already knows. He knows your thoughts, he knows your words, he knows what you've done, and he still loves you. Now, there, there's this, we know there's sins that are listed in the Bible that if you continue in such things that you won't go to heaven. I know we hate to hear that, but that's the truth of the word. It just says, if you continue in these things, you won't experience the kingdom of God. So there's obviously, as a parent, you would you tell your kid, don't do that. It's not good for you, you know? I tell my kids, and, and the Lord will always tell on my kids, always tell on me. Tell on them, not me, them. <laughs> my daughter hated it because I found out everything. God would tell me, show me somehow. He would tell me. And so you can't hide from God. So you, you got to get to the point where you're comfortable approaching him. So powerful to be able to approach God. Amen. And so number one today, this is the plan for humanity. I got a number two, but this is the plan for humanity. And this plan has been in play for a long time. Since the beginning, God had a plan that we could approach him. Amen. Genesis 3.15, the first prophetic word concerning Christ's coming is, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now I'm going to give you an explanation of that right now so you understand it. Enmity represents the conflict between Satan, your seed, and God's people, especially Jesus Christ, her seed, okay? He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel, depicts the long struggle between good and evil. How many of you know that that battle's been going on for a long time, the struggle between good and evil? And let me just pause for a minute. Remember, I told you a few weeks ago, I'm gonna indoctrinate you with the word of God so that none of us, none of us will hear the words, away from me, I don't know you. I want you to have a full understanding of the word of God, not what Ron King thinks, but what the word of God says, so that when we pass from this life to the next, we hear the words, we've been waiting for you, come on in. That's what we want to hear, right? So, he says, with God, oh, this comes out of the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, this interpretation. With God ultimately winning through Jesus Christ, the last Adam. So he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Depicts the long struggle between good and evil with God ultimately winning through Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Amen. God wins. There's no doubt. Amen. Just always remember this. Satan is a created being by God. I know that some people would teach different religions that Jesus and Satan were brothers. It's not true. It's not true, okay? Don't, don't believe that, cast down that old stuff from false teaching. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is part of the God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, amen? And so you, that's what we wanna trust. And so 
There's many prophecies that, that concern the Lord's coming, amen? From Genesis 3.15, the birth of Christ is prophesied in Micah 5.2. You know, you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, uh, though you were little among the thousands of Jews, you shall come out forth to me, the one to be ruler in Jerusalem, in Israel, whose goings forth are from the old, from everlasting. That was a prophecy concerning that Jesus would be born where? Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? So this prophecy is written in the Old Testament like 500 years before Jesus walked the earth and it came to pass. And then there's a prophecy concerning the triumphant entry. When Jesus came in riding on that donkey and it's in Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. And that's what happened. Jesus sent those disciples into town and said, get the, the full of a donkey, a donkey that had never been ridden. And they brought it to Jesus and he got up on that thing and he came in that triumphal entry. Remember, this is prophesied like 500 years before Jesus was even born. Okay, and then the betrayal of Jesus was even prophesied in Zechariah chapter 11, 12 and 13. Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. How many pieces of silver did Judas get for betraying Jesus? And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. That princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. And that's what Judas did when they found out that they were going to crucify Jesus. He was overwhelmed with guilt and shame. And he took those 30 pieces of silver and he threw it into the house of God. And they brought the potter's field where they could bury people. That's what he did with that money. And then he killed himself. And then the death of Jesus is prophesied in Zechariah 12, verse 10. Then the passion of Christ, Psalms 22, 14 through 18. He says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot turd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You've brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands, my feet. I can count all my bones and they look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them for my clothing. They cast lots. See, it's all prophesied in the book of Psalms. It could have been a thousand year, a thousand of years before Jesus was even born. But yet when Jesus came, he fulfilled all these prophetic words. Okay, and then, then the Christ's suffering and ministry in Isaiah, which will we declare. In Isaiah 54, verse 5, by his stripes we are healed. It declared it all right there. You know, he was oppressed and afflicted in verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shear. It's silent. And so he opened not his mouth. And even when he stood before the rulers of that day, and they questioned him, and they prodded him, and they tried to get him to say something, he just stood there. And he took it. He took it for us. He took it so that scriptures would be fulfilled. 
And what these scriptures tell us is that Jesus was divine. His divinity was God. Born through the Virgin Mary makes him the son of man. Everybody say son of man. He was born of Mary the Virgin. When he was named Jesus, it means Savior. The word Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah. So we know that Jesus was divine and human. Amen. He was fully human and he was fully divine. Okay. He was the son of God. He was the son of man. 100% on each. It wasn't 50-50 because Jesus went all in. Amen. The way you prophesied today, we, he went all in for who? For us. Because why did he come to, to the earth? To save us. Isn't that what he told Zacchaeus? I came to save you, to seek you out, to save you. Amen. And so these scriptures let us know he was human and divine during his, during his years on earth. Okay. And the thing about Jesus, the great thing is he never sinned. Never sinned. Okay, now you might know this, and that's great. I pray you do know this already, but I pray that what I'm giving you today, that you're putting in and you're going to give it out. You're going to give it out to somebody. See, he never sinned. Hebrews 4, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. How many of you have weaknesses? He says, but, but within all points... Tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus was tempted for all things that we go through, but he didn't give in. He didn't allow his flesh to give in to that. That's the beauty of it. He was tested just like we are all tested. And remember, I told you a few weeks ago, in the test that we have in the temptations, Jesus will always provide a way out if we ask. And then we're patient to receive what he has for us. And so this takes me into number two, is that this made Jesus the perfect sacrifice. Because remember, in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed, it had to be a perfect lamb. It couldn't have spot or blemish. If it had a tumor or anything, you know, because that's what you think. Well, we're going to do a sacrifice. Let's find the one with a tumor. Let's find the one with the limp. Let's find the one that's, you know, kind of spotted and ugly. No, when they sacrificed, that lamb had to be perfect. It couldn't have any spots, blemishes, no tumors, no nothing wrong with it. It had to be perfect. And Jesus was that man. He was perfect. Amen. He was perfect. He was without sin and he paid the price for our sins you know, as I've been saying to you these last few weeks, it was a total love move that he did. Who does he love? Who does he love? Us. Who does he love? Us. Come on. Some of you won't say it no matter what, huh? Maybe you don't believe it. You haven't received it. But who does he love? Us. Everyone. Say everyone. 
who believes will be saved. Amen. That's the promise to humanity. And that's the cure for humanity. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice given to restore mankind back to God. The perfect. And that, that, that we could come. We could receive what he's done. We could believe in what he's done. And we can have access to God now. We can come before his throne of grace and mercy. And we could tug on him. We could ask. And I give, I've given you probably 20 scriptures this year about asking. We could ask. Whatever you ask in the name of Jesus will be done. Whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, he'll do it. Amen. He'll do it. He desires to bless his children. Amen. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice given to restore mankind back to God. He paid the price for all of our sins and sickness. Everybody say all. All, all of them. All of them. Amen. To give us a better understanding of this, I want to finish today with a story. Two young men went through law school as close friends. Upon graduating, their lives took strangely different paths. One became a greatly respected judge on a prominent court. But the other, facing some family disappointments, became an alcoholic and wasted his great potential. Now, some years later, the unfortunate friend was arrested for a crime, charged and brought before a judge. As strange as it may seem, the judge was a lawyer friend from university days. When the fact became known, the lawyers in the community wondered what the judge would do with his former colleague and friend. To their surprise, the judge applied the heaviest penalty the law would allow. But the story does not end there. The judge then paid the large fine himself and set his old friend free. This is exactly what God has done for us by paying the price through his son Jesus for all of our sins and sickness. Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. Amen. That old song, that old hymn, Jesus paid it all. It was a total love move on the part of God. Because he loves you. Amen. He loves you. He loves you so much that he made the way for us to be reconciled back to God. He did it so that we can. Amen. So that we can come to Jesus. That we can let go of every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. 
and we could surrender to Jesus and we could come before him and allow him to heal us and make us strong. Amen. I'd like to say a prayer over you today, but I'd like you to stand and I'd like you to hold hands. Just come across the aisles. Just Let's just do this together as the body. I just want you to receive this prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you had a plan for our restoration. Your desire is not to give us what we deserve, but to save us from the wrath. You gave your very best to pay the price for our sin and sickness. Jesus, please forgive us where we have fallen short and set us on the path of power so that one day we will be in your presence. We thank you for your love for each of us. Give us the strength to keep abiding in you so that we will know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. may be seated, but just keep in your mind, in your heart, all that Jesus fulfilled to give us life.